your host, Annie Randall, and this is a safe space for real talk regarding all things Jesus, mental health, and of course, your relationship with food. Welcome back to the first season of Triad Warriors, where we are talking all about the Enneagram and how our personalities, amongst many other factors, impact our relationship with food. With us today, we have Elijah Green. I met Elijah through my husband, Adam. Prior to Adam and I getting married, Elijah was one of Adam's roommates, and I quickly became the one who settled any and all nutrition debates. Now, when I say one of Adam's roommates, uh, let me be clear because there it was a house full of five guys who would purposefully argue about anything and everything so there were many nutrition debates in addition there was and honestly still is a running joke where adam elijah and a few of the other guys from the house talk about superfoods mostly because they know that i hate the word <laughs> because it's just a marketing term and you probably heard this back on Alex's episode anyways today is going to be fun outside of debating the existence of superfoods mm. Elijah and I always have great conversations about food Elijah is one of those people who seems to be able to talk about almost anything he is currently preparing to be a nursing student and Elijah also just so happens to be an Enneagram type 8 which is exactly what we're talking about today. So before we hop into the episode, Elijah, do you have anything to say to the listeners? Yeah, um, I'm really excited to be here. In my defense, I also hate the term superfoods. Oh, so good. It, it's a painful <laughs> joke, but to be a part of it is a joy. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a joy to be a part of the a joke. Joy to be a part to of see the, the pain in my face, yes, basically. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, we'll go ahead and get started. As I said, Elijah is an Enneagram type 8. Uh, type 8s are known by a multitude of names, including the challenger, the chief, and the leader. Enneagram type 8s are also described as straightforward, decisive, and confrontational in their behaviors. The core desire of a type 8 is to protect themselves or to be in control of their own life, whereas the core fear is of being harmed or controlled by others. With that said, I'd like to give you a chance to describe your experience with living in this world as a type 8. So we won't get into relationship with food piece yet, but just your experiences as a type 8. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, every time I hear the description of the type 8, it's just like, oh, that's so me and, you know, painful. And then, you know, the whole. Yeah. I mean, just hearing those descriptor words, you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's a challenge. You mm -hmm. know? So, yeah, I would definitely say. Uh, I'm very grateful for um, the ways that, you know, being an eight manifests or, you mm. know, however you want to frame that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, again, it, it, pro it poses a lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say for the majority of my life, I lived in dominant ignorance of like mm. anything um, related to me or my personality or the way I lived or the way that impacted other people. Mm -hmm. um, had a lot of anger especially mm -hmm. as a child um and then that definitely comes from like that defense mechanism yeah. way of living um didn't have a wonderful childhood so that only like amplified those eight tendencies of like seeing mm -hmm. this world is not safe and i need to protect myself from mm -hmm. you know all these different external things that can harm me um yeah. so that the walls only got higher and, and the defensiveness grew and um, it became easy to kind of like put people at a distance and mm -hmm. see them 
not really as people the same way that I thought I was a person, but mm-hmm. more as like people that I could use or hurt or say things to, to mm-hmm. defend myself or whatever. And it, and it was okay. Um, luckily, um, you know, I was found by Jesus and That's he awesome. brought mm-hmm. me back into, you know, his father's house and not to get too over the top on that, but like mm-hmm. that has radically transformed my life and the way I live. And, mm-hmm. um, has really awoken me to uh, the way I was living it was harming a lot of people. It was harming myself. It was harming relationships. And so um, turning now towards um, kind of surrendering mm-hmm. my life and my sense of control or need for control and mm-hmm. uh, a need to be defensive to avoid harm um, has kind of changed because I'm pretty much guaranteed to be harmed and hurt in this life. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't need to be my own, you know, warrior or self defender. Um, yeah. 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 That's really awesome. That's a amazing story of redemption and transformation. It Thank sounds you. like, yeah. and makes a lot of sense, right? Our Enneagram is about our, how we act in fear. It's mm-hmm. about our core fears and our core desires. And so growing up, like you said, not having the best childhood, it puts up those walls and up those defenses. And mm-hmm. as a type eight, who's afraid of being controlled by others or not having that control, it makes a lot of sense that that's how you related to people, putting them off at a distance Mm -hmm. or trying to guard yourself. Mm -hmm. But it's really amazing that finding Jesus and experiencing that love and that transformation has impacted the way that you now relate to people as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, definitely work in progress still. Yes, yes, (laughs) as we all are, right? All grace, grace. yeah. (laughs) Awesome, so how would you describe your relationship with food and in what ways does your type eight personality impact your relationship with food okay yeah i'll answer the first and then i'll go into the second uh okay first um just my relationship to food in the past was predominantly um and you know like anything this is a long journey of Mm -hmm. you know like learning different things about yourself or different Mm -hmm. things about food and developing that relationship but it started out more just like you got to eat food to live. So that's like its function is it. And I didn't even think of it from like an energy balance, you know, nutrition standpoint of Mm -hmm. like that type of like actual health and good life, but more just like you need food to eat. Didn't know much about nutrition Mm -hmm. or anything. Um, And then it was also a very enjoyable, pleasurable activity to eat Mm -hmm. certain types of food. And so that was kind of, yep, it's just these things. But as I Mm. grew and learned more, um, and I love nutrition, I love fitness. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in a lot of different aspects, um, in that arena. And I learned about like justice in food, um, and how we can, um, treat our planet in Mm -hmm. a way that is sustainable, um, that we can treat other people in a way that is, um, good and Mm -hmm. right and fair um, by mm-hmm. what we eat. Um, learned that food has this amazing uh, ability to yeah. connect people and bring them together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of grown into uh, viewing food through more of a nuanced lens of like, mm-hmm. it has a lot of different um, ways to, uh, to affect me and to affect yeah. the world around me. So that's, that's kind of how it's changed, um, yeah. whether it's fitness, enjoyment, connection with people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I mostly view it as a tool, mm-hmm. um, and that tool can be used either positively or negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I really like that. And going from a place of where it sounds like you were really detached from food, detached from all the many aspects that food was. It was just something that kept you alive, mm-hmm. but also was a source of pleasure. Yeah. And it was this very limited scope. But I love that you brought in the piece about justice and food because that's not something anyone has brought up yet, but okay. is a huge thing with food Mm -hmm. about one saving the planet and then we also look at food security and all of these other issues that people face when it comes to food from a social justice standpoint and i think that's a really important point to bring up and i love that you've expanded the ways that you experience food and like you said seeing it as a tool to be used for all of these different facets of life Mm -hmm. essentially Yeah. yeah yeah and then to answer your second question um you know, Enneagram eights tend to be, um, like you said, straightforward. They can be black and white. Um, I kind of think of that as being unnuanced and you can kind of see that, that transformation and maturity to, uh, or from having it be that really, really cut and dry. It's just necessity of life Mm -hmm. and pleasure to Mm -hmm. it's this really gray nuanced, subjective experience with Mm -hmm. like lots of, lots of things to learn and be taken and given away from. So, um, yeah, I, w- I would say that uh, being an Enneagram 8, like, like you had brought up earlier, it's, it's a way to control. And that mm-hmm. kind of still displays in like the fact that I see it as a tool. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's something that I can like I have control over what I put into my body mm-hmm. and it has a direct effect on me. So mm-hmm. if there's like something I want to be yeah. thinking about critically and being careful about, it's like what I put into my body. Mm-hmm. And that goes for food and media and mm-hmm. all down the line of different things that yeah. I want to consume. But yeah, yeah, there's, there's also that aspect of eights can be very excessive mm. and I definitely fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a line from uh, a book on the Enneagram that I read that, uh, too much of a good thing for an eight is almost enough and yeah. I was like yeah that yeah I have found myself <laughs> waddling away from many you yeah. know dinner tables and, and things like that um, yeah. for, from that same kind of that place of excess and yeah. yeah definitely I've heard that about eights that you guys have very intense uh desires for mm-hmm. things and it could be anything in life but in particular talking about food mm-hmm. intense cravings and wanting that indulgence or that pleasure through food mm-hmm. and then at the same time you have that control aspect where you're like this is something that i can directly like determine what goes inside my body mm-hmm. and so i'm going to use this as a tool use this as something that i can control mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense Uh, So in your survey, you talked about seeing food as a means to an end. And you just talked about that now Mm -hmm. as um, something that can help you to accomplish a goal or be that source of pleasure. Can you think of a time in your life, like a specific time when you sought to achieve a goal or exert control, whether that's yourself or others through food? Yeah, so I've seen that be a pretty perpetual pattern in my life. Fitness goals, especially when I would learn about a new, you know, diet technique or a new exercise plan or something along those lines, I would want to put that into practice because I would want to increase my athletic performance or something mm. along those lines. Um, when I learned about different injustices surrounding food, I would change the way I was eating. Um, went vegan for a little while, not anymore. Um, mm. But it, again, like that that learning sparked a change in my life mm. and I wanted to exhibit that control. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely I've I've sought to exhibit control over um, 
myself using food in those different ways. Um, I don't like to give other people unsolicited diet or nutrition advice. Um, Even the word diet can be a dirty word sometimes, so I really try not to do that. But as an eight, it's pretty common to say things that sound very authoritative and Mm -hmm. domineering. So I'm sure other people would say that I have done that. So err on the side of caution, I've probably done that. Yeah, definitely. People people don't like a food police, but type eights tend to, like you said, say things in authoritative way. That's a good way to put it, in an authoritative way. And so it can sometimes come across as that. But the good thing is that you don't have that intentionality. Mm -hmm. Obviously, impact and intentionality are two different things. But there is a an intention not to do that. And you see food as something that you're using for your own personal Mm -hmm. gain or whatever it be. Um, but you're not necessarily imposing that onto other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the unsolicited advice kind of comes in. It's like, if someone's sharing a goal that they have and they're asking for advice, that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a space where they've invited me to share an opinion Mm -hmm. or or some of the knowledge that I've learned. Um, but for the most part, other people's goals aren't the same as mine. So yeah. if I'm just walking around spewing what's cool to me, it's like, well, that's great. But, you know. <laughs> Other people might not have that same goal. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Or their their bodies might not need the same things. Exactly. Because everyone's yeah. different. And so totally. you're like, here's what works for me and what I like and what I found benefit in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that might not be somebody else's exactly. cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, So I know that you've done quite a bit of research on nutrition. You talked about that. And I'm sure your preparation for nurse schooling has likely given you an understanding of all body systems. So with that in mind, what do you expect food and your eating patterns to do for you? And do you think those um, expectations are realistic? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But don't give me too much credit. You know, I got one nutrition class in college, <laughs> a lot of YouTube videos, some books and, you know, yeah. AMP a- and all that. So I have very, very compared to, you know, somebody with a PhD, I'm very not, not educated on the subject, but, um, yeah, I, I would say that, uh, and again, you know, like for me, I, I think I know what works well for me and mm-hmm. what works well for my body. Putting that into practice consistently is a totally different story, yeah. but um, yeah, physiologically, I, I, like I said, I enjoy learning how food affects the body systems um, mm-hmm. and how you can tweak and change those things depending on, again, what your goals are, what your body needs. So, mm-hmm. And again, over the years, um, playing lots of sports, um, I know how to use um, fitness and nutrition to uh, try and attain certain goals. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether those goals are reasonable is a, is a different story, but... Um, yeah, I think, I think I can use it as a tool well because of that understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and different things like learning to cook better, um, you know, that'll increase your, your relationship with food from a pleasure or enjoyment stance because mm-hmm. you're going to yeah. make better food. Yeah. Um, you're also going to yield more fulfillment, I mm-hmm. feel like, because you've had a greater connection to your food rather than, you know, mm-hmm. running to Chipotle and eating something that tastes fine but you know, you didn't necessarily have a relationship with before mm, you yeah. put it in your body. Um, and then going back to what I had said earlier about food as a power of connection, you know, again, it's like you can use this, this thing to bring people together and yeah. to unite people. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty historically across all cultures, food has been oh, yeah. in that. So yeah. definitely. 
yeah, food very much is that connector role. And that's something I've seen with your, when Adam was living at your guys' house, all the times that you'd have people over for, I mean, you'd have game nights, but there's always food there, or you'd have people over for dinner. It's like mm-hmm. food is always this central element, element that brings people together, yeah. which is amazing. And so you also talked a little bit about sports nutrition, right? Like we can, mm-hmm. I think I talked to you guys about uh, food that's good for your body and food that's good for your soul. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> yeah, 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 you love that. <laughs> but obviously, like, food does impact our bodies. And so, you know, I come from an anti diet approach, but that doesn't mean I'm anti health. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, with using food to achieve some of your athletic goals, like eating in a particular way before you go do some athletic event is definitely going to impact you. Mm -hmm. And so being able to use food for that reason can be really helpful in achieving those Mm -hmm. goals. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've always appreciated talking to you about this subject because, Mm um, you know, some nutritional therapists can get a bad rap for being, you know, oh, just eat whatever makes you feel good and this and that. You really demystified that for me by Mm -hmm. saying like, if you eat things that don't make your body feel good, that's defeating the purpose of mm-hmm. making your body, you know, like eating whatever you want. Yeah. So I, I thought that that was helpful. And that made mm-hmm. me kind of view it more from a personal stance. Like it's yeah. not a one size fits all. Again, there's the, you know, coming in with education and nuance to a yeah. subject. So <laughs> yeah, it, it depends on what your goals are, or what, mm-hmm. you know, your style of living that you're going for, um, mm-hmm. how reasonable your goals are, what you understand the limitations yeah. of food to be can all be, be factors. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's a good point that you talked about. There are a lot of people who are in kind of my realm of things where it seems like it's, you're just telling everyone to eat a hundred donuts and like <laughs> 50 cookies a day, but that's not intuitive because yeah. you're going to, like you said, you're going to feel horrible. Mm-hmm. And so we're saying, yes, eat donuts, eat cookies, eat those things. Yes, it's fine. And I do. <laughs> it's great. But also pay attention to how your mm-hmm. body feels after yeah. you're eating food and eat the food that makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add to that question? No, I'm good. I think that's, that's about all I got on that one. Okay, awesome. So you talk you talked about eights being known for their excess and this idea that I really love that quote you shared too much of a good uh, too much of a good thing being almost enough for a type mm-hmm. 8. What would you say the is the role of cravings, pleasure and stress in your eating patterns and are there specific foods that are involved when you eat for stress or pleasure or um, comfort? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cravings definitely have an impact on my decision making at the mm-hmm. grocery store mm-hmm. um, yeah. when I'm there. And that, that could, you know, be I'm pursuing a certain fitness goal, but that Haagen-Dazs ice cream looks really good. And so, like, that's where there's a conflict there. Mm-hmm. Um, or financially, it's like, oh, I'm looking to spend a certain amount of money a month, but, mm-hmm. oh, that steak looks really good. So those cravings can sometimes override that, mm-hmm. like, long-term goal for me. Um, and then with the excess on top of that can really override. Mm. It's like, well, if I'm giving in a little bit, maybe I'll just like, you know, go for the whole boat. Yeah. Um, but again, I think that cravings can serve a really helpful role as well because, um, I'm craving something. I desire something and it's like, food is not a bad thing. It's okay for me to have Mm -hmm. ice cream and to eat a cookie or three or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that, that kind of moderation, it can, it can really satiate that, that craving very easily. And that's not a bad thing. And a lot of times it's dessert foods, sweet foods. Um, and then, 
eating out with mm. people. So I really mm. enjoy eating out with people and there's a great, you know, communal, communal function to that. Yeah. But, um, I can't do it financially all the time. So yeah. there's where those kind of trying to find a healthy balance of, mm-hmm. yeah, I eat things that are soul foods that taste good. Yeah. Um, and I do things with my community that I enjoy doing and, and mm-hmm. I don't do them too much. Um, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you pay attention to all of these other factors that are coming in. Like you said, finances. What can you afford in that moment? Or mm-hmm. are you able to eat out? Or all of those different factors in your decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's not that cravings are controlling all of your decisions, but they also are a factor. Yeah. And you're allowing yourself, like you said, eating a cookie or three can satisfy that craving mm-hmm. rather than you trying to suppress it for like weeks on end. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, maybe then you might eat a bunch of more cookies yeah. than yeah. you probably would have ate in the first place. Exactly, yeah. So you just have the three and yeah. move on with your life. Yeah. yeah. If self-control is a finite resource, um, I'm going to manage it accordingly you know yeah. i'm not gonna hold out on just <laughs> yeah. eating cookies you know so, yeah. yeah yeah definitely uh so in what ways would you say that your family of origin have impacted your relationship with food because obviously our families have a big impact on our lives yeah for sure that's a really good question so i would say that um family of origin has had a pretty big impact on my relationship with food um i grew up in um, a relatively like lower middle class, like we were not not struggling financially in any any way, and um, we ate a lot of home cooked meals together at the mm-hmm. table, which um, I place high value on, um, and that was that was great. And so my very early relationship to food was kind of placed on that. Um, then at uh, early in my childhood, at, at some point, my dad lost his job, and so. Um, we started cutting back, um, a little bit on different things and, um, things kind of sped up and we got busier. So we'd go to Jack in the box and get like dollar menu items Mm -hmm. for everybody Mm -hmm. where you can get a lot of food for really cheap, Mm -hmm. um, and really fast. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's where that kind of started to, to, to blend in. And then eventually my parents ended up getting a divorce. And so mm. we were actually living on like a single income and my mom mm. was trying to feed three children. Yeah. Me and my brother were in high school at the time playing three sports a year, like eating all the time, like crazy. Mm-hmm. And so it was even more fast food and very mm. rarely home cooked meals. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would say, that has really had an impact on the way I've um, had to kind of bounce back from. It's very mm-hmm. easy for me to see fast food as like just that. If tool is just a food, then it's like, well, yeah, that's the best case scenario. I don't have to spend too much money on it. I don't mm-hmm. have to spend too much time on it. And it does this very, you know, mm-hmm. it just keeps me alive. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but that's not really living. And it makes me feel awful. And so all these yeah. things, that's been a big challenge for me to kind of mm-hmm. step back from like, just swinging through the drive-thru and grabbing something um, to keep those long-term goals in mind instead. Um, And also inflation, like fast food is not cheap anymore. It's not a dollar anymore, no. (laughs) And now that I have to pay for it and it's not bought for me, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that makes a lot of sense. That was kind of the options you had as a kid if you're living off of a single income and there's Mm -hmm. three kids, two boys who 
eat all the things yep. as teenagers. <laughs> like yep. your mom, I mean, you were living with your mom. Yes, yeah. yeah. Your mom is like, uh, how am I going to feed these kids? Yeah. <laughs> but that must have been really difficult to go from a place where you were eating home cooked meals as a family mm-hmm. a lot. And that was really the foundation of your relationship with food. Then to switch to this pattern where it was food was kind of this rushed thing that mm-hmm. was hard to come by as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to find the cheapest options and that's a pretty stark difference for a yeah. kid to experience. Obviously there was probably a lot of other differences in your life too, but yeah, I wasn't really focused on food at all. Again, I, it was just <laughs> yeah. this thing that kept me alive. It's, yeah. it's really something that by you asking that question, I had yeah. to look back and was able to see, Oh, that's a factor that had pretty mm-hmm. big implications in my life. And I'm sure yeah. there's a lot more to be uncovered there, but yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. And that's something, I mean, we were talking about before recording this is like talking about relationship with food. If you're not used to thinking about food in this way, there's a lot to uncover. It's Mm -hmm. a very different way to look at food. And you said that this was something you're like, oh, wait, that actually impacted my relationship with food and was a factor in my growing up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So this one is more of a fun question (laughs) just out of curiosity, but have you ever participated in an eating competition with friends and what was that experience like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and just as a precursor, you explained to me why you asked this question (laughs) is because eights have a tendency to be competitive, um, which I mean, you just hit the nail on the head right there. I definitely have done eating competitions before I, um, one time at work, uh, I was doing a canvassing job and me and my buddy stopped at a place for lunch and decided we were going to order the biggest burgers on the mm-hmm. menu. And this place was known for having like a three pound burger oh with like gosh. fries and drink yeah. and all this stuff. And I slammed the whole thing and it all felt awful, like almost died because I then had to go back to work. It was very unfortunate, but I did it. And, you know, just that like in the moment, like I'm going to beat these guys and I think I got my meal paid for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the one that we do right now so currently i still i still practice this um is the wendy's four for four challenge where you go to wendy's you get a four for four and then mm-hmm. you know you all line up and um see who can put it back the fastest yeah um and i think my buddy david did it in a minute and yeah i saw I that know, 30 video. <laughs> seconds it's just like you know everyone else is still on there like they, they haven't finished anything and he's like licking his fingers and you're just like what the heck <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then growing up, I always loved going to buffets and seeing mm-hmm. how many how many plates of food I can slam back. I had a yep. brother growing up, like I said, and um, I couldn't beat him at very many things. Um, okay, but I, you know, we would Eating. we would go toe to toe at food, and I could outrun him. So that's awesome. Those are the two things. But yeah, yeah, yeah definitely a lot of competition. That's awesome. Yeah. Food becomes a form of like fun, and yeah. as well as like being able to beat your brother at something, yeah, being yeah. able to be like, okay, I'm finally better at, mm-hmm. than you at something. I ate more pancakes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw that video of the four for four. I was like, uh, how are you guys not puking? I, <laughs> I wanted another one after too because you eat it so fast that you don't even like. You're like, oh, I'm still really hungry. Yeah, and, you yeah. didn't even enjoy it no, at all. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. So to kind of wrap things up, we want to get to a point of like explaining how, um, how we've made transformations in our relationship with food so that we can help people with this Mm -hmm. podcast. Right. And so what are the mindset shifts, behavior changes, or, um, thought patterns that you change the tools that you have that have helped you to improve your relationship with food? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
not to be too philosophical, but I would say <laughs> that food and the human experience are very tightly bound together. Mm-hmm. And um, food comes from the earth. We come from the earth. Like mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just this. It's this connection that throughout cultures, throughout all of history, mm-hmm. like have been tied so tightly together mm-hmm. um, that it's just it's a very complex mm. complex subject um especially when you start bringing in things like food and justice mm-hmm. um, food and fitness is more like a fun one like that's a yeah. off that's not important at all there's way more important things so mm-hmm. um i would say like for me it was really looking at food and being like wow this this subject this thing affects so much of the world that i live mm-hmm. in and my personal life as well yeah. and then on top of that um what I put in my body has a direct impact on the way I live my life, the way Mm -hmm. I feel, Mm -hmm. the energy I have to do different things. Um, And my interactions with food themselves Mm -hmm. have an impact on uh, the way I think, the worldview that I Mm -hmm. buy into. So all down the line, I would just say that learning more about the subject, learning more about um, how I feel about food Mm -hmm. um, and what I expect to get from it. Yeah. Um, good things, bad things, all down the line. Like that, yeah. that's been really helpful for me. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Having that understanding and broadening your perspective on food mm-hmm. has been helpful for you to experience food in a lot more ways than just as you mentioned at the beginning, just as this thing that keeps you alive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like your philosophical <laughs> going with that because that's how I feel with food too. Yeah. So I think that is yeah, that's a great way to be looking at food and hopefully is a, an insight that will help people to start looking at food in these other ways as mm-hmm. well and recognizing that food is from the earth. We're from the earth as well and mm-hmm. it's, we're all connected in this world and in some way and food is justice. Food is all of these other mm-hmm. things in our lives. And I like how you said food and fitness. That's just the uh, one-off <laughs> thing, like really not important in the grand scheme of things. Yet yeah. in our culture, that's all people talk about it's when it comes super, to food. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So is there anything else that you would like to add? Last words? No, I'm just really glad that I got to do this. And these, yeah. these questions really got my wheels turning. And it yeah. was an enjoyable experience to, to think deeply and self-analyze. And I hope that everyone else can ask these questions of mm-hmm. themselves if these questions apply to them. And mm-hmm. um, so that they can, you know, hopefully get that same kind of understanding and experience yeah. out of like, oh, I do have a relationship with food and I got to think about it in Mm -hmm. a way that relates more to me and my personal experience and and whatnot. So yeah, Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed it and I'm glad that the questions were helpful. So I do have one quick question. I told you about this one that I will be asking all of the interviewees this season. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite food? Yeah. Yeah. You did tell me that and it didn't help at all because I still (laughs) can't narrow it down. Um, Well, Alex gave me a list of five favorites and five least favorites. So yeah. if you can narrow it down beyond 10, you're good. That's fair enough. So yeah, <laughs> Alex is more notorious for his least favorites than his favorites. So. <laughs> um, I would say it's a toss up. The um, longstanding favorite has been Thai green curry. Mm. Um, but recently ramen has really been been sneaking in. That's awesome. Um, but I was at this this... It's actually the number one Thai place in the United States right now, Eam in Portland. Oh. Uh, yeah, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, they I love have Thai food. A white curry with 
like brisket in it. So oh. it's this barbecue yeah. Thai fusion place. So that's really they, they smoke their brisket and mm-hmm. then they throw it in their white curry. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Yeah, That's awesome. So I'd say it's still tough. Like I just love, yeah, ramen mm-hmm. and curry. So yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. yeah. And I've seen you make ramen before <laughs> and you make it kind of fancy. Actually, I made, I watched how you made ramen once and then I went home and I made it oh, really? because <laughs> it looked really good. Like you put like peanut butter in it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I was the like, egg oh. and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> throw spinach in there. I throw a whole, like I throw mushrooms in there, chopped yeah. up and all different stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That's so, not my recipe. That's, that's a Jarrett recipe. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, well, so. I got it from you. So in my mind, that, that makes you feel good. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, we call it the PBR, peanut butter ramen. So, oh, yeah. that is good. Yeah, yeah. it's a good recipe. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Elijah, for being on the episode. Thank you to everyone for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.